Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. I want to read this verse because it's the foundation of this series. And if you were here with us two weeks ago when I opened this up, um, thankful for Bishop Foster being with us last week to kind of get us rolling in this revival. But two weeks ago when I preached about Jesus' first miracle, water into wine, this was the foundational verse. And I want to show it to you in John 2.11. It says, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee, everybody say Galilee, was the first of the signs in which through he... Uh, through which he revealed his glory. So the sign and the miracle was not done for no reason. It was done to show his glory. It was not done just so water would turn into wine. It was a sign back to Jesus that he had power to take them from natural to supernatural. I told you on that day that wine or that water is very natural. Wine is a, is a sign of the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. Um, And it says, because of this, the result was his disciples believed in him. That's going to be a theme, that the miracle is a sign and that people believed. I want to go to the second miracle today. John chapter 4 says in verse 43, rather, says that two days, uh, after the two days he left, everybody say it again for, let me me hear, I heard heard half of y'all. After the two, did you guys lose your voice worshiping? Was Was that what it was? That's all right if it was. Uh, After the two days, he left for, there we go. There was the anointing there. Now, here's where this this whole passage, in my opinion, is the key. It says, now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. They're familiar, casual, heard him preach, seen him do miracles. So he has no honor in his hometown. But here it says, when he arrived in Galilee, it's different. Galileans, they welcomed Jesus. They had seen what he had done in Jerusalem, and they had also been there. Once more, he visited Cana. If you were here two weeks ago, you'll know that the, the, the wedding, water into wine, was in Cana in Galilee. And so he goes back there. He visits again, where he'd done the miracle, John tells us. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and he begged him to come, heal his son, because he was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you'll never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replies, go, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word. I love that right there. He took Jesus at his word. And he departed. He went the way Jesus told him to go. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with news that the boy was living. When he inquired as to what time his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. Notice the result. He and his whole household believed. John tells us this is the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. 
I want to preach short because I want y'all to come back. But here's the thing. If you'll help me preach, help me preach a little bit. Not because I need an amen, but just because I know you received it if I feel that. If you'll help me preach, I'll preach short. We can come back here tonight and worship again. Does that sound like a deal? Tell somebody around you, good, glad to see them. God bless you. God bless you. Be seated. Be seated. Be seated. God bless you guys. Uh, I'm going to try to preach this quick. Can I throw this t-shirt down here? I'm not on YouTube anymore. That thing was in my way in the first service. Um, but come get your t-shirt, all that good stuff, and come back. Amen. Amen. Uh, tell your neighbor, I'm saving you a seat tonight. I heard like two people. Uh, tell your neighbor, I'm saving you a seat tonight. But we're going to be on our feet anyways. Um, and, and if you didn't get a calendar card, there's a lot of stuff happening through this summer revival. Uh, we've also got a devotion that'll kind of uh, bless you, recharge you, refuel you, all that stuff. I hope you grab those on the way out today. I, I, I want to um, I, I pass this to you, though. I, I'm excited about this, this message series. Book of John has eight miracles of Jesus. They were miracles, signs, and wonders. Everybody say miracles, miracles, signs, and wonders. And, and what these signs were doing is they were pointing back to Jesus. The, the sign was that Jesus could turn water into wine. The, the sign that was that he, he could heal a boy that was about to die. The, the sign was that he could calm the wind and the waves. But the sign pointed back to Jesus. Are you with me? The sign pointed back to Jesus. Because after Jesus did the miracle, it said that his glory was revealed and that people believed in him. And so they're sitting there with the miracle in their hand, but they realize it's not about the miracle, it's about him that did the miracle. And it was a sign that pointed back to Jesus. Now, every, every summer, every year, lots of folks visit Disney and and. I don't think anybody stops at the sign on I-4 and just parks there. Because the sign is pointing to Disney. If anybody traveled from 50 states away to Disney and they parked under the sign, how many know they would be sorely disappointed? They're like, where's the rides? Where's the restaurants? Where's, where's the hotel? Where's the pool? And nobody would do that. Because they recognize, this, they wouldn't stop at the sign. They would recognize, I want to get all the way into the thing. King Stephen talked about getting into the kingdom. But why is it that so many Christians stop at the sign? They never make it to Jesus? I, I've seen Christians, they get out of crisis mode and they stop right there. And they never make it to Jesus. I've seen Christians get a little bit of blessing and they stop there and they never make it all the way to Jesus. But I just want to tell the church today, don't stop at the sign because it's not about the miracle, it's about the miracle worker. I'm not worshiping the miracle, I'm worshiping the miracle worker. Are you with me? It's not about the bread and the fish that were multiplied. That's great, I was hungry, but look at the one that was multiplying the bread and the fish. Because if he can multiply the bread and the fish, what else can he do? 
It wasn't that they were like, oh, great, now it's, it's beautiful weather out here on the boat. No, no, no. That was a sign pointed back to Jesus, and it said they marveled and said, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? I want to tell the church today, it's not about the miracle, it's about the miracle worker. It's not about the calm weather, it's about the storm calmer. It's not about the multiplied bread and fish, it's about the multiplier. It's not about the wine, it's about the winemaker. It's not about the sickness being healed, it's about the healer. It's about the resurrection. It's about his power in my life. Somebody ought to say amen. Here's what I want to say. If he's alive, miracles still happen. I want to raise faith over these weeks here that we're in this, that God can do the miraculous, that you can get your answer to prayer, that relationships can be restored, that hearts can be mended, that there can be financial provision for you, that there can be blessings for your family, but for our church, because we believe that miracles still happen I wonder if anybody would say amen to that. So, so here's what I want to say is, as we look at these miracles in the Bible, that they should not just amaze us, but they should also instruct us. Like when I read this and I'm like, wow, his son was, was healed, it should also, I should also take a moment and say, but what happened in his life that got him the miracle? Because we don't just learn about these stories and say, oh, wow, that's great for them. No, we learn about this so we ourselves know how we can receive from God. So the Bible is not just a book about people a long time ago that were very special. But I want to tell you, this Bible is for you. Somebody help me preach. This Bible is for you. It's for me. Bible says it's living and it's active, so it's right here, right now. The Word of God is alive and active. It's for you and for me in Jesus' name. So I'm not just talking about miracles that happened 2,000 years ago, not just telling you Bible trivia, but we are believing for miracles this month in your life, in my life, in this church, for healing, for hearts, for lives to be saved, for addictions to be broken, for ground to be taken. I am claiming miracles in this house that we will never be the same from this moment forward because we know who the miracle worker is. Here's what I want to say. If it's not here, if you understand this word that we're getting this month, you can have repeatable miracles in your life. So it's not just a lunch for one day that bread and fish were multiplied, but now I know the multiplier. I want to take you from lunch today to knowing the multiplier. I want to take you from a good weather day out on the boat to knowing the storm calmer. All right. Amen. Uh, so as we look at these texts, uh, I, I, we, we got to raise faith for miracles. But the key to this miracle, and I'm going to go quick today, so hang with me and preach with me, is verse 44. That's the key. When you read John 4, Jesus was in Samaria, but he goes to Galilee. Now, I don't know how many got a paper Bible. You got maps in the back of that, Vanessa? No? I know I don't have maps in mine either, Vanessa. We need, we need saved and sanctified here. Anybody have a map? There we go. Candy's got maps. Javier's got maps. Now, now help me on my Bible archaeology because I've never been to the Holy Land, but 
It's pretty, uh, it's pretty evident to me that Samaria is south. Geography. What did I say? Archaeology? I'm, I'm still amped up from the worship, y'all. you got to help me out. Geography. I, I thought about putting a map on the screen, uh, but, but just, just flow with me. Samaria is south. That's where he was. Nazareth is, kind of, is, is above Samaria, going north. And then Galilee is north of the two. Here's what I want to say is I want Promise Church to decide today. Are we going to be a Nazareth church? Are we going to be a Galilee church? And I'm going to make that make sense. But everybody's got to decide. Are we going to be a Nazareth people that Jesus passes through? Or are we going to be a Galilee people that say, Jesus, don't pass us by. Why don't you hang out here a little while? Because we want to welcome you. Praise you, worship you, honor you, lift you up, magnify you, bless your holy name. So we got to decide, am I, am I a Nazareth church or a Galilee church? So here, there we go. Somebody got the right answer already. 43 says, verse 43 says, he left for Galilee. He left for Galilee. That's where he's heading. Now, parenthetically, John, he tells us, kind of why he passes through his hometown. He says, parenthetically, now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. He's treated as as casual. There's no honor. He grew up there. He's common. He's regular. He's Joseph's boy. They said he's Joseph's boy. He's just a carpenter. And then it says, verse 45, he arrived in Galilee. So he went from Samaria, passed through his hometown, and arrived in Galilee. We're looking at miracles today. And I'm going to move quick, so hang with me. I'm not going to say that again. But what unlocks the miracle is honor. What was the difference between Nazareth and Galilee? It said he had no honor in his hometown, so he went to Galilee. The difference in in his hometown and Galilee is that one of them honored him and one of them didn't. And I want to tell you that honor Honoring God will unlock the miraculous in your life. The way you receive from God is honor. The way you receive from your spouse, I'm going to help somebody, is honor. You value them. You assess a worth to them. You praise them. You compliment them. The way you receive from authority is honor. The way you receive anything is honor. Because it's a Bible principle and it's a principle in life that when there is honor, there is a flow. If you'll honor up, down, all around, there'll be a flow in your life. There'll be people left and right putting things in your hands. You honor down, people will be serving you. You honor up, people will be elevating you. Honor, there's a flow. Dishonor, there's a disconnect. It's just a principle of life. And so Jesus goes back to Galilee because honor is there. He passes over Nazareth because dishonor is there. So the first thing I want to tell you today is Jesus is drawn to honor. Here it is. We'll see more of it in Mark chapter 6. Jesus said to him, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his home. And notice verse 5. It says, he could not do any miracles there, except some isolated ones. He could lay his hands on a few people, and they were healed. But overall, 
He could not. Doesn't say would not. Says he could not. Now, if I just need to remind somebody, this is Jesus. And he could not. Somebody said, I thought I remember Matthew 28, 19, 28, where he said, All power in heaven and earth is given unto me. But he could not do miracles there. Why? Because honor is not about God limiting what he does in your life. Honor is about you limiting what God does in your life. It says he could not. Not that he would not. He could not. And I know that's shocking, so let me give you some Old Testament too. David says in Psalm 78, yet again and again they tempted God and they limited you see in this? They limited the Holy One of Israel. What I want to tell you today, maybe is somebody glad they came with this word here? You can, you can block what God wants to do in your life. Somebody said, I came for good news. Good news is coming. You can block what God wants to do in your life. You can limit the Holy One of Israel. How? It's because when there's no honor, there's no flow. I wonder how many want to be a Galilean church today that just says, I've come to lift up his name. I've come to honor him. I've come to praise him. I've come to say he's worthy. We were singing that today. I'm just going to say, this is a Galilean church. We were singing, he is worthy. None beside you. He is worthy. Somebody help me. None beside you. He is worthy. None beside you. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. And I love that they sang that song because as I was studying this week, that word worth kept coming up. Now, here's what honor actually means, the origin of the word. So I'm going to teach a little bit, and then I'm going to try to preach to you. But honor is a word that we're very, we, we, we use, we know, we think we know what it means, but we don't always know the origin of these words. Honor actually means to assess the worth of something. Honor is where you kind of, it's like, it's, like it's, it's where you, you're assessing the value of something. You're assigning a value. That's what honoring it means. It means you're, you're judging it correctly. You're putting the right value on something. So in the ancient world, they would use this word when they were assessing the worth. They were weighing something. And oftentimes they would weigh a chunk of metal, a chunk of silver, a chunk of gold, a chunk of copper. And, and, and this is where we get these, these type of phrases like, well, let me weigh that out. Because we're saying, let me put that on the scale. Like, let me, let me kind of weigh that out. Or if we want to put our opinion on something, we say, let me weigh in on that. Like, let me, let me get in on the assessment. Let me get in on, on the evaluation. But in ancient times, this was very common because they didn't have the technology to make every coin exactly the same weight and exactly the same size. The way they would strike it in a kiln, the way they would strike that coin. And so they were all formed a little differently. If you've ever seen an old coin, some, a lot of times they're off-center or they've got a chunk on this side. And, and, and so they didn't have the technology that we had. And so you could have the same coin as somebody else, but your coin might be bigger or smaller than theirs. And that might not make a big difference if we're just trading one coin. But what if we're trading 100 coins? You might want to weigh that out and kind of get, well, this isn't really 100 coins. This is more like 95 coins. Or, hey, this isn't like 100 coins. This is more like 110 coins. And so you could have 100 coins and they could have 100 coins, but they weigh differently. And so what they would do is they would put them on the scale to determine the worth. Are you still with me? Now, let me put it in 
or maybe maybe somewhere this will relate. You ever stepped on the scale and you're between two numbers? Nobody got to say amen, but you can laugh. And, and in that moment, you have the opportunity to round up or to round down. Now, if you round, yeah, you round down on that. That's fine. I think the Lord understands that. Just get on that scale at Publix. I'm rounding down. But I don't ever want to take Jesus lightly. I want to weigh him worthy of his weight, worthy of his honor, worthy of who he is, worthy of what he's done, worthy of where he's brought me from. Somebody ought to give him a praise and say, I'm not taking him lightly. When I walk into this house, it's not just another Sunday. It's not just another preaching. It's not just another worship. It's not just another day in his house. But David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Because I'm not taking it lightly. I know that I'm in the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm judging him worthy of my praise. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? Anybody give God a praise right there? He is worthy of my highest praise. He's worthy of that. He's worthy of it. And so when I judge him correctly, I say, he laid his life down for me. Surely I must be a living sacrifice for him. And I just want to weigh him worthy and praise him for all that he's done. David said it like this. He said, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I wonder if he's done so much for you that you can't even tell it all. But what you can remember, you ought to say so. Somebody in here got picked up out of a pit, you ought to say so. Somebody got picked up out of a bloody mess, you ought to say so. Somebody got snatched out of the jaws of a lion, you ought to say so. Somebody got pulled out of the pit of hell, you ought to say so. Somebody's blessed beyond your talent, your gifting, your intellect, you ought to say so. He's worthy of my worship, and he's worthy of my praise. That's why David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, and forget not all of his benefits. I don't ever want to forget what he's done for me. I don't ever want to forget where he brought me from. I don't ever want to forget what he's done for me. I don't want to take him lightly. I don't want to take him casual. I'm going to have an opportunity to be in the house of God. Have an opportunity to be in the presence of God. Not just another Sunday, but I'm in the presence of God. Now somebody might say, I I thought God was omnipresent. He is. His spirit is everywhere at all times. But he doesn't manifest everywhere and certainly not at all times. And so Psalm 22 and 3 tells us, but you are holy and you are enthroned. He makes his throne. He sits down in the praises of his people, the people of Israel. This is where you'll hear the verse or the, the quote sometimes that he inhabits the praises of his people. He sits down on the praises of his people. 
That means he is seated. He inhabits. He takes up residence. He's at home. He is comfortable. He sits down. He is drawn to the praises of his people. When we praise God, we are inviting him to make his throne here. When we praise him, we are saying, this is your house. This is your throne. I am honoring you. Let me, let me help you make that make sense. He goes to his hometown. They don't make him feel welcome there. He goes to this other town, and they say, you're welcome here. We're opening the door for you. He goes to his hometown. It's like they don't even open the door. He goes to this town. They open the door. They give him a place at the table. They give him the best seat in the house. They say, you have a throne here. When we make him welcome in this house, we are saying, this is your house. His throne is in heaven, in heavenly places, but he also makes his throne where people praise him. So this might just be 561 Orange, it might just be brick and stucco, but when we say, you have a home here, you have a throne here, you are welcome here, you are worshipped here, he makes this his home. That's why this house is God's house. Somebody ought to praise him. So it's from his throne that we see his glory. It's from his throne that he decrees healing. It's from his throne that he bestows blessing and salvation and miracles and calling and direction. I wonder if anybody in the house has a prayer closet. I wonder if anybody over here has a prayer closet. I wonder, maybe it's your spare bedroom, maybe it's uh, your, your Florida porch, sunroom, maybe it's your back porch, your front porch, maybe it's by your pool, maybe it's your office, I don't know where it is, maybe it's your kitchen table, but have you ever noticed that it's easy to meet the Lord there? Have you ever got to a place where I, I need to just get in the presence of the Lord, and you run to that prayer closet? might be your Florida sunroom. It might be your office. I, I don't know where it may. There's people that ask me for a key to the church because they just want to get into the altar. But it, what it is is it's a space and a place that they have met with the Lord consistently. And they have made the Lord feel welcome with their honor, their devotion, their praise, and their worship. And all of a sudden, they walk into that spare bedroom. They walk into that prayer closet. And it's like, I meet with the Lord quickly. I don't have a lot to break through. It's a place that the Lord is, knows he's welcome. And I just want this house to be a house that God is welcome, that he is judged worthy, that he is praised, that he is lifted up. And so here's the thing. Um, he wants to be first in your life. This is a big thing. We cannot grow casual with God. Don't weigh him lightly, but weigh him worthy of your praise. And this is a big thing because even going back to the Ten Commandments, God said, you can't have any other gods before me. I've got to be number one. I've got to be in first place. Second and third and fourth and fifth and top ten is not good enough. He wants to be in first place. But when you esteem him worthy and you say, Lord, you are welcome and I'm putting you at the place you are worth and the place you are valued, valuing you correctly and honoring you the way I'm supposed to, all of a sudden everything flows from there. That's why Jesus said, if you put him first, seek first the God and his kingdom, and then everything else is added to you. Why? Because now there's a flow. There's a flow of blessing because honor is there. I've put him first in my life. Now there's a flow. 
And there's a flow of blessing. There's a flow of, of anointing. So you can decide, and that's what these two towns decided. If he is a car, that his hometown, Nazareth, they say he's just a carpenter. Or if he's Christ. Nazareth versus Galilee. And Nazareth said, yeah, he's just Joseph's boy. We remember when he was training him up carpentry. And, and, and he's just a carpenter. But Galilee said, no, he's the Christ. When Nazareth said, he's Joseph's boy, Galilee said, no, no, he's the son of God. And here's the thing. Every one of us can decide if he is the carpenter or if he is the Christ. If he's just a carpenter, you're going to limit him. He can build you a table. He can build you a chair. But you've limited the Christ to a carpenter. Or you can say, he's not a carpenter. He's the Christ. And if you make him Christ, he will save your soul. He will forgive you of sin. He will give you a hope and a future and a plan for your life. He will prepare a place for you, and he will return for you, and he has all power in heaven and earth. So do not limit what God can do in your life. Somebody ought to give God a praise right there. All right, I got to move on quick. Number two, honor releases the miraculous. Honor releases the miraculous. That's the testimony of the Galileans. They welcomed Jesus. They didn't reject him. They didn't treat him casually. But they, they welcomed him. It was like the Nazarenes. They said, oh, this is, this is, this is just Jesus again. This is, this is just the carpenter's son. And, and, and I think today we can get in that same rut. Like, ah, it's just another Sunday. I, I'm just going to cut the grass and, and, and stay home. Or oh, we got some laundry to catch up on. It's just another service. Or it's just another Sunday. Or, yeah, I'm just here, but I'm just going through the motions. It's going to be... It's going to be two songs in the offering and, and, and two songs in the word, and then we're going to go home. We're going to eat, eat whatever's in the crock pot, and it's just enough. But no, they said, no, 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 no. This isn't casual. This isn't routine. This isn't just a carpenter. This is the son of God, and anything's possible. And so they went to the city gates, and they said, he's back. This is the winemaker. He's back. This is the miracle worker. And they judged him worthy of honor. Here's what I'll show you in Luke chapter 4. No, I don't have time. I'm going to try to go quick. Let me just tell you, Luke chapter 4. Jesus, it's the day he starts his ministry. He goes into the synagogue and he opens the scrolls and he gives that, that prophet, he, 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 he fulfills that prophecy from Isaiah where it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel of the poor. And he says, you've seen this in your seeing today and you've heard this in your hearing today. And, and, and then they rise up against him and they say, well, what, isn't this Joseph's boy? And he was in Nazareth at the time. They said, isn't this Joseph's boy? They literally said that. Show me at least verse 42. Yeah, this, is this not Joseph's son? And Jesus stops and he tells a story. He says, in the old covenant, he says, in the old days, Elisha, Elijah, everybody was under a shut up heaven. He's saying there was a drought. And he said there was a lot of people that were in need because of the drought. But he said there was one woman from Sidon that had enough faith. She wasn't, gen she wasn't Jewish. She was Gentile. She wasn't in the line of Abraham. She wasn't in the covenant. But she had enough hunger. And she, she judged God of Abraham worthy enough 
that when everybody in Israel was regarding Elijah as just this grumpy old prophet, there was one woman that said, you know what? No, 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 no. There's, there's, there's worth here. There's value here. And could I just seek him and get my miracle? And Jesus says she got her miracle. And then he said in the days of Elisha, there was a lot of people sick. There's a lot of people that had leprosy. But nobody in Abraham's covenant got their healing. But he said there was a man named Nathan who was the Syrian man. And he received his miracle, even though he wasn't in the Abraham covenant, because what he's saying is there was honor, there was worth, there was value. And they go to the prophet and they showed the prophet honor and said, we need a blessing, we need a miracle, we need a touch. And Jesus said, even though heaven was shut up, there was honor that flowed down. Jesus said, even though there was sickness, healing virtue flowed. And here's what I believe Jesus was saying. He was saying there was a lot of needs but little honor. There's a lot of needs in Israel, but there wasn't very much honor. There was a lot of people in need during that drought, but there wasn't much honor. There was a lot of people who were sick, but there wasn't much honor. And I wonder if today a lot of the reason that we miss out on what God really wants to do and the miracles he really has and the anointing and the power that God really has for us is because we have not judged him worthy. We ought to say Jesus is over everything. He's bigger than my problem. He's bigger than my circumstance. He's bigger than my sickness. He's bigger than my disease. Somebody ought to help me. He's bigger than this famine. He's bigger than this drought. He is bigger. He is worthy. So I seek him and I worship him. And the miracle flows when you judge him worthy of who he really is. So I wonder who come back tonight and just worship him for as worthy as he is, as good as he's been. So come on back tonight. I got to say one thing and I'm going to have the band come. Um, God does not measure. I just want to say this. God does not measure our honor and then decide if we deserve a miracle. It's not like we have to get to level 10 and the top goes off the thermometer and he says, okay, now you deserve the miracle. How many know you can't earn a miracle? How many know you can't buy a miracle? As much as I'd like to say it, like, hey, if you give a million dollars, you're going to get your miracle. I can't say that because you can't buy a miracle. And you can't deserve a miracle either. So Jesus is not waiting for enough honor and then boom, you get the miracle. Because what honor is, is it'll either block the miracle or it'll allow the miracle to flow. Dishonor will block the miracle. Honor will allow the miracle to flow. Remember, it wasn't that Jesus rejected Nazareth. It was that Nazareth rejected Jesus. And it wasn't that Jesus accepted Galilee. It was that Galilee welcomed and accepted him. And so it's not, it's not that Jesus was rejecting Nazareth until they hit some marker of honor to break through. It was that Jesus, there was no honor there, so he knew he could not do miracles. Here's what I want to say, because I think I might help it make better sense, is the promises of God, the Bible says the promises of God are yes and amen, meaning the promise of God is already valid. There's already a yes there. He's already said yes. He's waiting on you to say amen. And so God's word is God's word. God's promise is God's promise. 
He's waiting on you to honor him with that amen. He's waiting on you to honor him with that yes, Lord, be it unto me. So be it unto me. And our honor doesn't get a yes from God. It's our honor that says yes to God. So it's not the honor that gets a yes from God. It's our honor that says, yes, God, pour it out. Pour it out, pour it out, pour it out. And if we'll honor God, we will open the floodgates to the miraculous in your life and in this church. How many said amen? Music come. I'm going to close. I hope I didn't go too long because I want you all to come back. Last thing I want to say is honor the word of God. If you'll just honor the word, blessing will flow. I'm going to close quick here. If you'll honor the word, blessing will flow. Do you realize there are things that God has already said? He's just waiting on you to open the door for it. Bible says you have not because you ask not. Bible says if you'll pray according to his word, then you'll receive. But so many times we're asking amiss is what James said. We're asking for the wrong thing. And so I, I don't know if it's God's will for me to stumble into 7-Eleven today and trip over a winning lottery ticket. If that's God's will, I'm going to get that big old check like this. We're going to build a new church next week or however long it takes to cash those big checks. I don't know. But I don't want to ask amiss. I want to ask according to what God has already said. And it already said by his stripes we are healed. It already said by his blood we are set free. It's already said by the anointing that that addictions and the yokes and the bondages are broken. And so if I will just honor the word of God, the miraculous that he already has will begin to flow. He's already said yes. He's waiting on me to say amen. And so when we honor the word of God, what we're saying is I believe it to be true. I receive it into my life. Do you realize that this word is living, it's active, it's being fulfilled? And the Bible says not one word or not even the smallest punctuation will fall away before it's fulfilled in this world and in your life. We honor the word of God. I know it's just a, it's just a custom, it's just a church tradition. But that's why, if you ever wondered why I'll say, hey, stand, we're going to read the word of God. It's just a way of honoring the word of God. If we were at a ball game and they started to sing the national anthem, everybody would stand up. I'd honor the country, honor the national anthem, honor the sacrifice of the men and the women that have gone before us. And men will take their ball cap off and, and all those things. Why? Just to honor the country. And it's just a small thing. I'm not saying it's salvific. I, I'm, I'm not even, I just, it's just a way of saying, oh, the word of God's being read. Hold on. Shh. We want to honor the word. Because we believe it's holy, it's sacred, it's God's word. And everything that's in it is going to come to pass. And it's not even that I'm honoring the word. It's honoring the one that spoke the word because he has the ability to make good on the promise. Every promise he spoke, he's waiting on you to say amen. How do you say amen? You just say amen, yeah. And and I love that because amen is is the same in every language. Amen. You can go to a Spanish church, an Italian church, a Portuguese church, a Russian church, 
anywhere in the jungle church, somewhere on the island church, somewhere on an ice cap church, somewhere in the hot desert sun church. And if you don't understand anything else they said, you understand, amen. That's all right. Stand with me. You'll help me close. And so I want to show you the end of this. This nobleman was probably some kind of prince in his own region. He was very wealthy. He was of royal descent. He had a lot of authority. And in verse 44, 49, he puts a demand on Jesus. He says, sir, come down before my child dies. In English, it's strong language. But I'll tell you, in the Greek, it's an even stronger language. It's actually a demand. He's expecting a yes. Now, it's my, it's my I'm just inferring here, but it doesn't really seem like he's demanding by faith. It seems like he's demanding by his authority of being a, a, a politician, a nobleman, royalty in that province. And it's like he's used to bossing people around. And so he goes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, come to my house and heal my son. It's like a demand, especially if you read it in the Greek. It's very strong. Jesus kind of like pushes back. It's like, no, 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 no. It's not going to work that way. I don't serve you. You serve me. So it seemed at least to be a lack of honor on this nobleman's uh, part, at least initially. And so Jesus turns the tables on him to see if he'll obey the word and honor the word. And so he says, no, no, no. This is how it's going to work. You go your way. I'm not going to your house. You go your way and your son will live. We've got to get to the point where we will obey a word that we don't understand. I, Jesus, I thought you was going to come into my house. Jesus says, no, it's going to happen this way. And you say, I receive the word and I stand on the word. Because when God gives you a word, he's given you a command. The promise is his part. You do the command and the promise is his part. We've got to get to the point where the word is enough. Even if I don't feel it, it's my word from God. Even if I don't understand it, it's my word from God. Even if life isn't going the right way, it's my word from God. And I honor the word and I believe everything he said is coming true. So Jesus gave him a command. Go your way. And the promise was your son will live. I want to tell the church, I want to grow this church up and grow your roots deeper because this process is replicatable over and over in your life. Again, it's not about getting bread and fish today. It's about knowing the multiplier. It's not about good weather on the boat today. It's about knowing the one that can calm the wind and the waves. And this process to receive your healing and your miracle is replicatable. And here's what I know to do is obey the command God gave me and the promise is his part. The command is my part, but the promise is his part. And so the Bible said, as he goes walking, his son is going to live. I don't know what kind of word God has deposited in your heart, but if you'll obey the word God has given you, I don't know if it's to walk out of something you need to walk out of. I don't know if it's to walk into something you need to walk into. I don't know if it's laying down something. I don't know if it's serving. I don't know, I don't know what it is. But if you'll start going, your family will start being healed. If you'll start walking, healing will start flowing. If you'll start walking, anointing will start pouring. If you'll start going, God will start working. Here's, here, here's, here's what I was going to say. 
A lot of times people would do deals on just a handshake giving their word. People would honor their word. How much more should we honor the word of God? Verse 50, Jesus says, go, your son will live. And the man took Jesus at his word and he departed. He took Jesus at his word. It says, while he was still on the way, his servants met with him and news came that his boy was living. Now in the English, it says living, but in the Greek, it was recovering. Meaning as he was walking, his son was recovering. As he was walking, his son was being healed. And a lot of times there's progressive miracles where it doesn't happen like a light switch, but as you're serving, God is healing. As you're walking, God is blessing. As you're going, God is doing what he does. It says he says he, he inquires as to what time he got better and they said yesterday at 1 a.m 1 p.m 1 in the afternoon where am I at 1 in the afternoon the fever left him then the father realized that was the exact time that Jesus said your son will live and I obeyed the command every head bowed every eye closed all over this house I want to do an altar call today and just ask you what's God calling you to do God calling you to step out? Is God calling you to step in? Is God calling you to lay something down? Is God calling you to pick something up? How many just raise their hand, every head bowed all over this place? Say, God's calling me to something. I see hands all over the room. God's calling me to something. Whatever God's calling you to, I invite you to come to this altar today and just as a sign of I'm walking it out, Lord. As I'm praying, I'm asking you to come. Lord Jesus, we just pray all over this house. Lord, for those hands that's raised right now, I just believe you're calling them to something. And I believe that you're doing a great work in their life. And I believe right now as we obey, that a miracle is on the way. And I believe it right now in Jesus' name. How many would come? How many just step out today for just a moment? Once again, Thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend and don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.